Listen, I'm easy to find. And listen, they can kiss my ass if they don't like it. I think you know which one I am. Wouldn't you know Pat O'Brien would steal my joke? I just told him backstage just a few minutes ago. Who else? I go back to, uh, to introduce John Madden. I'm sure most of you read your program at the uh, bio of John, what he accomplished as an athlete. He was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles after an outstanding college career. He was an outstanding baseball player. He was, as I said, drafted by the Eagles, hurt his knee in training camp, never played pro football after that. Went on to get into the coaching career that was so successful for him. From there, after leading the Raiders to the Super Bowl, he decided he had enough of coaching, got into broadcasting, and the success that he's had in that field certainly goes without me going into any magnifying great, uh, great remarks. I recall this will be our 18, 18th year together this year. That is if Fox uh, chooses to bring me back. 18 years, a long time, but it doesn't seem like a long time. I recall the first game we did together back 18 years ago in Tampa, which was a very difficult place to broadcast from. You were so high, and their uniforms were, were difficult to distinguish because they were orange and white and very pale in both areas. And you could hardly see. And I got to the booth after John had already arrived. I didn't know him that well. We knew each other by reputation. But when I got to the booth, it was hot, but he was sweating like I had never seen anybody sweat. And I thought uh, after we rehearsed the, re the beginning of our broadcast for a few minutes and the way he was sweating, I thought this is the wrong business for this guy. <laughs> but after we started to roll and I came to realize it was not so much the heat, it was his fear of that height that was making him sweat. After we started to roll, after about a quarter, I thought, hey, this guy's going to be pretty good. And by halftime, I said to myself, I hope I'm lucky enough to work with him. And by the time the game was over, I knew how good he was going to be. I didn't know he was going to be this good. Without going into a long, long dissertation about what the man brings to the booth and how good he is, I have learned over the years when to duck. I have learned to interpret the hieroglyphics that he calls the telestrator. I can make sense out of it. I know what he's trying to say. We've become very good friends. I think uh, in the beginning we were acquaintances. Uh, then out of the respect that we developed for each other, we became closer. And in recent years, we've developed a friendship that uh, we don't really have to say too much about. It's just there. And I hope it always will be. If you wonder what makes him a success, 
and I think uh, you could incorporate this into any business endeavor that you might undertake. If you wonder why he is so good at what he does, number one, he works harder than anybody I've ever been associated with in this field of broadcasting. And I've worked with some Hall of Famers. I've been in the business a long time, but I've never seen anybody prepare like he does. He works harder than anyone else. And through that work ethic that he has, it rubs off on everybody else who's associated. You heard what Bob Stinner had to say on that tape just a minute ago. He makes everybody who's with him a little bit better because of his presence. His preparation, his work ethic rubs off on everybody else. He's incredibly honest. I wish I had time to go into the good things that he has done uh, anonymously in many cases, quietly in all cases, the people he's helped. He just simply brings out the best in everybody. And I'll tell you another secret that John has, and I hope I have it. I looked up the word uh, when I was first asked to introduce him. I thought, well, the ultimate thing that I can say about John Madden is he is a professional, and he certainly is. But I went through the Webster Dictionary and looked up the word professional. And every description, every definition of the word professional involved money in some way. Now, John accepts his paycheck, I'm sure. But it isn't the money that makes him what he is. What makes him what he is is how much he loves what he does. And I'm sure he'll tell you that he has never been, a work, been to work a day of his life. I know I haven't. Because that's how much fun we have and how much both of us love what it is that we do. I don't know what I'd do, and I know I don't know what he'd do if he couldn't broadcast and be around and be associated with the many people we've met in football, the many people he knows in football, the friends he's developed, and just the general association with the game that we talk about. We're so lucky to be able to love our work. I'm afraid a lot of people can't say that. I was looking for some way to, to, to introduce John on the way out here. I flew out from Philadelphia this morning, and I ran, a, ran across a quote by the legendary Norman Vincent Peale who said, uh, ultimately, we're all going to meet our maker, and we're going to have to answer just one question. What did you do with what you were given? And I wonder how many of us could say I got the most out of the ability that I was given. Well, the man I'm about to introduce to you now, John Madden, has gotten the most out of the ability he was given, no question about it. I don't know how many people can say that. As Bob Center said, and I don't want to use too many of Bob's words, but I had written it down, and between he and Pat O'Brien, they got most of my speech. But he is right. He is incredibly accurate when he says he's the best there is, he's the best there ever was, and he is the best there ever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the great John Madden. What's going on YouTube? Nathan back with another video presentation. Happy Thursday. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe. 
This is episode eight of Big Nick Talk Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Um, before we get into the video, there's a few things I need to say up front. This episode has been pre-recorded. It will go, it will premiere on YouTube. The goal is to have it up by 4, 4.35-ish p.m. Um, it'll be the premiere. Episode 9 will also be a pre-recorded video. Uh, that video will entitle my review of 2021, my goals for 2022. Episode 10 of the podcast, season 5, will pick up on the 4th of the new year, January. Um, that I will go live with that episode. So um, in the meantime, uh, those episodes, these two, these two episodes are pre-recorded ahead of New Year's Eve as we get ready for the new year, 2022. Um, in this episode, I'm going to break down the Los Angeles Rams versus the Ravens, the Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. We're going to do weeks NFL Week 17 picks around the new stuff around the NFL. And I want to revisit a topic. Shout to Sean Spencer, and he had me on the Let's Talk Football the Roundtable with a lot of Crespo and Rosario Jr. and Anthony Handy. Um, it's a topic I want to revisit there. And then we're going to recap. You see it. You see it. The Pinstripe Bowl. We beat Virginia Tech. Uh, it's day 31 of the MLB strike. Nothing, nothing as of yet. The Washington Wizards beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're going to play the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Maryland basketball team beat Brown University. The women are playing Indiana. Towson basketball, a couple games got postponed. Uh, we were supposed to play James Madison University because of COVID protocol. That game has been postponed until the end of the month. So, um, in spite of that, that game, uh, the University of Delaware for the women was also canceled. We were supposed to play Drexel as well. That game got postponed. Both games postponed. Uh, so, we got Seton Hall, the men and women, both uh, were able to squeeze, although, excuse me, the women were able to play Seton Hall. The men play Drexel, and that is all in the new year. And then we're going to close out with some WNBA talk. Uh, Becky Hammond, she is now the new head coach for Las Vegas Aces. And some stuff, you know, we're going to, you know, the offseason for WNBA is off to a fair, it's, off, it's going to be, this is probably going to be the best one, in my honest opinion. And then I was looking at some, uh, I was looking at this article you know, what the Indiana Fever could use. And I, I've been thinking about it because I feel like the Indiana Fever already have a core. I just think the number one overall pick, I don't think in regards, I think they're still, I think regardless they'll win, but I think the Mystics and the Fever will win the trade, will win the draft and both retro, and retrospect respectively. Uh, so that's it. Um, so uh, before we get into the video, Yes, before you saw, um, I'll continue to send my thoughts and prayers to John Madden's family. Um, still shook and still shook up about the, about about the, about the passing. Uh, again, John Madden taught me a lot about the game of football. Again, him, Pat Summerall. Uh, I remember 
by watching them, I remember hearing them for the first time, it was the year 2000 with the Ravens played the Cowboys. And uh, that's when I was like, okay, that's what I love to do. I want to be color commentating just like the two of them. Um, just sad, man. You know, you just got to just continue to thank God for another day. Um, I mean, I, I have yet to see his documentary. I know I just, I'm, it was on the other night. I'm hoping they pull play it again. Because, um, I mean, that man, he's just touched. He's touched so many, not just about the video games. I mean, the video games, I mean, that'll always be a Madden 25, 23, 24, 25, et cetera, et cetera. But the man, John Madden, uh, you know, he's done so much for the game of football. I wanted to play the the Bill Bill King, Bill King clip, uh, but I wanted to just, as I said, I wanted to play that clip with Pat Summerall. And at the end, um, I have another video. It's John Madden, you know, uh, giving a eulogy for Pat Summerall. Very touching words um, to me. And, um, yeah, let's get into it. So, uh, as, again, I just we play Saturday. This episode has been pre-recorded. So, we play the Los Angeles Rams Sunday. Not really looking forward to this game after coming off a embarrassing uh, performance against the Cincinnati Bengals where Joe Burrow and the crew ran for over 200, I mean, 525 yards and passing, and that's not even including on the on the ground. Um, excuse me. Now we're coming up against a team that is coming off winning this Minnesota. Matthew Stafford threw three picks. Um, I know Cam Akers is supposed to be coming back off an Achilles injury. But I feel like they're going to continue to use Sony Michelle. I feel like that he's he's been the month of December, I believe the statistic. I think he's ran for over 423 yards. So I feel like they're going to use him a little bit more. Uh, you've got Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Van Jefferson. I it's I think in this game, I think Matthew Stafford's going to throw at least three touchdowns. I, I just don't my, 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 you know, even though we're getting some guys back, let, let, let's calm down folks. I understand we're getting uh Tyus boys are back. Uh, we're getting Geno stone. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're getting Geno stone back, Justin Houston back, Chris board back, uh, Christian Welsh back. I mean, from the COVID list. Seeing what I saw Sunday, I don't know how you can mentally prepare and mentally recover after a, a after a, a performance like that. Now, granted, I understand that we've been plagued with injuries, but looking at looking at this defense, I mean, sure. I mean, Geno Stone's coming back. We get some much needed help on the inside. Justin Houston, Bowles, I mean, that's it, great. But if anything, to me, I mean, this is this is this this is some some much needed reinforcement for Baltimore. B 
because, I mean, Houston and Tyrus Bowser, other than Patrick Queen, they are our two best pass rushers. Um, Geno Stone, he's getting some, he's getting, he's, he's providing some mushy help in the secondary. And then again, Board and Welsh, they're more special team guys. Um, now, I know we had Sharp and Chris Schriever. They got sent to the practice squad. But um, hopefully that we won't have any more, any more instances uh, of guys hitting on the COVID. Now, I saw the clip on Twitter of Lamar out there in the field. Ladies and gentlemen, he does not look ready to play football. If, if the Ravens are smart, and it pains me to say this as a Raven fan, they should not play Lamar Jackson. I really think, honestly and truthfully, if you if 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 we're being honest, going for the rest of the season, it should be Huntley. But I don't know what Huntley's going to look like coming off off COVID. I don't know. But also, too, hey, let, let's continue to ride the hot hand of Mr. Josh Johnson. Let's not forget he threw over he threw three over three hundred yards and had two touchdowns against Cincinnati. So let's. Let's see. But here's the thing. We're going against a defense that arguably is, argu- is arguably one of the best defenses in the game, Aaron Donald, um, Leonard Floyd, Ramsey, Vaughn Miller. I, I mean, that that defense is not to, nothing to sneeze at. And to me, I think you can't beat them. You're going to have to mix it up. And I, my my concern is they're going to have to switch the game plan up. I think they're going to have to. Now, I, I don't know what they're. I just I don't I don't want to say their passing game is going to is going to be. This has some question marks, but I I think. I see Baltimore rushing the. I, I would really think Baltimore should run the ball more, um, which I question why we didn't do that against Cincinnati. Uh, and, and again, I get it. You don't have Lamar, and your identity is really Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray. Uh, let's keep it. Let's just be honest. Like they both, respectively, what we're asking them to do, they have five touchdowns and almost and that. I want to say it's 799 yards combined. That's not bad, honestly. I mean, personally, one of them may come back next year, but somebody else is going to throw them some money. So their services was well needed and much appreciated. And again, like, I'm I'm just being realistic. Like, fun fact. The Ravens are 0-2. No, sorry. The Ravens are 2-0 against Matthew Stafford. And I, I, I just don't I just don't know how you can contain that passing game. I, I really don't. They are they have either they've shown signs a couple less, you know, when the card they, they lost the card uh, the Cardinals, not the Cardinals. Um 
I can't remember. Let's hold on. Let's look. Let's let's Google. I'm trying to figure out who they they played. Because there were two games where their offense let's see. The Niners was one. And the Titans, Packers. That was really it. So I mean, but besides those three games, I mean that they've pretty much been a successful offense. And their defense, yes, I mean, has had some has had a few bad games. But I mean, I have them on fantasy. But for the most part, you can't sneeze at that. Um, and also, too, they've they haven't really lost any key players. Do they? they have not lost anyone to injury nor COVID. I think the bit let's keep it real, ladies and gentlemen. At the end of the day, it's whoever gets to the Super Bowl, whoever can stay the healthiest. I don't AFC, NFC doesn't matter. Is going to the Super Bowl. Guarantee. And I, I, I just, I, I, I. Low expectations. I'm gonna go in there with an open mind and see from and, and just be calm and cool, collected. Now, I do think the Rams are going to be focused on two things. They're going to have their eye on they're going they're going to have their game plan is only going to be on Huntley or Lamar or Josh Johnson, one of the three. Uh, we really should not have been. Excuse me, I apologize. Um, I feel like we shouldn't be having Josh Johnson doing RPOs. That that just can't happen. Um, but I do feel like they're gonna they're gonna have a game plan for Lamar Huntley or Josh Johnson. Because me personally, I just don't think Josh John. I just don't think Lamar Jackson's gonna go. He still doesn't look good. He still didn't look one hundred percent. He had a noticeable limp. I mean, I, I know it's Thursday. I mean, tomorrow's Friday, but he's not playing. But and this is one of these are both games that are must wins for the Ravens. If we lose this game, we're going to have to depend on some people to help us get to the playoffs because um, we're the eighth seed and. The Los Angeles Rams are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens 41-27. Guaranteed. I I I just I'm just being I, I just can't see it. I and me personally, I look at it like this. I, I think the Ravens should play for the draft pick. Simply because when I look at this, the way this whole how the season has started, we were eight and three. We were first place, but we we we, we the elephant could no longer can no longer be. It just can no longer be in the room. The Ravens have to address depth at positions, particularly the offensive line, defense. We're going to have to address retooling that defensive line. Um, 
I'm looking at next year, Marcus Peters, supposed to make $15.5 million. Uh, there are some guys they're going to have to, there's some things Eric DaCosta and Big Cast, that front office, too. They're going to have to figure some things out. Per, I just, if the Ravens make the playoffs, it's honestly and truthfully, it's because it's a bet. It's honestly been a, a, the AFC, honestly and truthfully, ladies and gentlemen, has been awful and it's been wide open. By now, you would have had this is not this has just really been a, a horrendous year. But again, staying healthy has been is is a key. Injuries, COVID. Look at Tennessee, Derrick Henry. Look at Cleveland uh, with Baker Mate all kept COVID. I mean, those two things, ladies and gentlemen, have really played a role with the season so far. And I just don't with Baltimore. Listen, I will bleed black and purple to the day I die, but. Let me transition to the Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, um, after that atrocious performance. What the hell was that? I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off. Get it together. Y'all look like trash. To the Dallas Cowboys, 56-14, Monday Night Football. I apologize. Someone just keeps blowing my phone up. Let me put something in that disturbed. I apologize. Um... According to the playoff predictions, we enter week 17 with a 44% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, we can even finish as the sixth seed. But the same stuff, let's keep it real. I mean, it has been a mediocre NFC as well. I mean, we still haven't gotten it. We still, we're still in the playoff hunt. Like, We're getting Brandon Sheriff back, Cole Holcomb back. Uh, we got Fuller, Curl, Heineke, all those guys back. And, you know, again, the defense, out of everyone that we missed, COVID protocols, um, there's no reason. I don't expect us to come out the way we did against Dallas. Because we, let's say we, 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 we didn't look ready to play football. I mean, we looked, but we weren't. It just it, it it just it just looked bad, and like I, I let's keep it real. The last time we saw Philadelphia offensively and defensively, their lines dominated us, and that's one key. You gotta win. Who's gonna win the battle of the trenches? If that if Washington can can at least win in some way, that's fine. Now. Garrett Gilbert started that game. Philadelphia, I think, ran almost for 240 yards on running the ball. Gabbert got sacked twice. Um, now, this time, we got Heineke, all those guys back. But this, to me, this is a must-win game. This is a must-win game. Again, um, 
Montez Sweat. I want to send my thoughts and prayers. His brother got shot. I just want to send my thoughts and prayers to his family, him and his family. Um, I do expect him to play. So I, I just expect Washington to look better. Uh, Miles Sanders will not be in this game because he's injured. So, you know, they're going to rely on Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. But Jalen Hurts is most probably going to take more of the carries. Uh, but my, 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 again, same thing. I don't know how you can mentally recover after getting – Blown out forty point by forty, almost forty by getting just getting embarrassed like that. But I, I believe that this time the Washington football team is ready to play football. If Taylor Heineke, it starts with Taylor Heineke. If he limits the mistakes, make the small plays. You know, um, let's give Antonio Gibson some love, and they, let's give Antonio Gibson some love. You know, I expect him to get more touches on the ball. I suggest they need to run the ball more. Uh, McLaurin, you know, there's got to be other than John Bates. Uh, I want to see Cam Sims get some more opportunities. De'Ami Brown. I want to see the offense open and not be contained. Because uh, to me, I feel like at times it, they, the offense is contained. But I think it – I mean, I, I feel like Scott Turner's got to open up the playbook some more. Um if we limit the mistakes, battle the trenches, and we win, we hold the ball time of possession, I think the Washington football team could, could win. But look at this flip side, too. Same thing with the Baltimore Ravens. You play for the draft pick. Because we know what the rate, we know what Baltimore needs, and Washington needs some stuff too. Washington needs to build some depth as well. But they make the playoffs. I'm not mad, but I'd rather think about the future than the playoffs. Just because I just think this season has shown a lot. Like I'm gonna say the Philadelphia Eagles, 28. 24. The Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. This is our last Monday night football of the season. And what looks to be Big Ben's last hurrah. Um, as he said, by all accounts, Heinz Field uh, what looks to be his last home game. Wow, I mean, that sounds like he's he's calling it a career. Um, the Cleveland Browns should have won that game against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw, threw, for, threw for 222 yards, two touchdowns, he threw four picks on 36 pass attempts. That's crazy. Um, I mean – I'm not going to put all the blame on, on Baker Mayfield. I feel like, again, I got a question, Kevin Stefanski. You know, they why did we not? You got you got Nick Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt. Why did you not run the ball? Uh, and then on top of that, 
you know, the play calling, just very, very weird. Uh, again, like they won that game, they could actually had the AFC North in their hands, and they still have, and they still could make the playoffs. Um, because the we play Los Angeles and Cincinnati plays Kansas City. So we'll see. But let's not overestimate the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, yes, they got embarrassed on the road against the Chiefs, but you know some guys won't come up. You know some guys won't come up ready. I mean, if anything, they they they're still gonna play. Uh Big Ben, we all know, like, he's just, we all know he's not the same quarterback, but he's not going to, he's, he's not, he's not going to quit on his team. I saw he, he almost blew his team back against Minnesota. Um, but I do question sometimes, I think you have some guys that do feel themselves, like you had a lot of, uh, a lot of character issues that obviously there's going to have to be some accountability for. Uh, But that defense, that Pittsburgh defense, you just can't sneeze on it. Hayward, Watt, Fitzpatrick, you can't sneeze on it. Joe Sherber, can't, you can't sneeze at it. Um, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers, 37-17. Guaranteed. And while we're on the uh, Big Ben talk, uh, Big Ben is a first battle Hall of Famer. Uh, we, all, our, we all know about the off-the-field stuff. I mean – we could all let's go in the Hall of Fame, guys. All those guys that are in the Hall of Fame currently have have had skeletons in their closet. But uh, we're talking about the guy, the quarterback, the quarterback that <laughs> took over a team that was led by Tommy Maddox. Uh, you, you know, uh, just watching him play the Ravens and us playing him every Sunday or Monday night. Thursday night even really made me appreciate football and it's going to be weird. Like when a certain quarterback, a certain player retires, like I remember when, when Kobe were after they beat Utah, when Kobe retired, I was like, wow, like next year you won't, you won't see Kobe. Even like when Tim Duncan dirt, it's like, wow. Like next year, like, you won't see Big Ben. You know, it's 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 going to be kind of hard to process. Um, I've always had, I've always respected Steelers Nation. I just and don't like the the you know every time when they win, it's the you know we have six rings. You know, give me something more than that. Uh, but the, you know, I, I know who the true Steelers Nation fans are. I mean, it's I mean I have no problem with you bragging about the rings. 
But you know, like if I said, well, can you name me to to you know to me more of the it's more of the casual fans that bother me. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So uh, yeah, man, I, that Monday that that last game because we play them, he they play us here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be. Uh, is when he takes that when he takes the knee for the final time, whatever happens. It's it's a new it's a new era for Pittsburgh. It's an, it's the end of an era, and yeah, yeah. Uh, week seventeen picks. Let's transition into that. So we have the New York Giants versus the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears will beat the New York Giants. I'm looking along the lines of. 24-20. The New England Patriots have been the Jacksonville Jaguars 41-10. Guaranteed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are being the New York Jets. 41-17. Guaranteed. The Buffalo Bills versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Buffalo Bills will beat the Falcons 36-14. Guaranteed. The Kansas City Chiefs versus Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm looking along the lines of 30-24. Guaranteed. This actually should be a good game. The Miami Dolphins versus the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans. 2017. Guaranteed. The Las Vegas Raiders versus the Indianapolis Colts. Carson wins. His, Carson wins is not in this game due to COVID. Uh, but they have Jonathan Taylor. The Indianapolis Colts. 24-17. Guaranteed. The Los Angeles Chargers versus the Denver Broncos. The Los Angeles Chargers, I'm looking along the lines of 28-17. Guaranteed. I think this is, I think Vic has to, Vic Vanger has to win this game. I, I think by all accounts, I think he's out the door after this year, honestly, truthfully. Um, the 49ers versus the Houston Texans, who surprised us. Beating the Los Angeles Chargers. What the hell was that? I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off. Get it together. Y'all look like trash. Trey Lance is starting in Jimmy Garoppolo's place. I think the San Francisco 49ers will beat the Houston Texans. I will say 30-21. G- 
guaranteed. The Seattle Seahawks will beat the Detroit Lions. The Arizona Cardinals are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys 31-24. The New Orleans Saints versus the Carolina Panthers. I think that the New Orleans Saints are gonna are gonna beat the Panthers twenty one fourteen. Guaranteed. This should be a good game. This should be a good game. I actually this is gonna be a close one, y'all. I think the Green Bay Packers will win thirty four thirty one. Guaranteed. And that is week 17 picks. Crossing fingers. I hope I do well in that. So let's transition to some things around the NFL news-wise. Um, so really quick, uh, as far as head coaching, so job was already turned down. Interview was already turned down. For the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I want to say it was uh, – shoot. I can't remember his name. But was it Dan Quinn? It might have been Dan Quinn that turned it down. Um, we all know – I look at Mike Zimmer. He's 7-8. I feel like with this year, they've definitely we're at the same thing they were a couple years ago. They have been defined that the way they've been playing. Uh, Thirteen of their games out of fifth out of fifteen we've played so far have been decided by one possession. Like, let's keep it real. I looked at before we I started the, recording the video. The Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings have invested forty six million dollars on defensive year on defensive. On the, on the defensive side of the ball, and yet they're 29th in, yard, in yards per per game, 26 in yards per play. Uh, they are 28th in rushing yards allowed, 26 against the pass, and 25th against points allowed. Like, I think it needs to be a change. Um, we all know with John Gruden, he's going to have to go. I mean, he that this not his going to go. I think uh, Mike Maylock may be gone. Uh, they're going. Al Davis is going to have to. Mark Davis, excuse me, is going to have to clean house. From he's just going to start all over again. Matt Nagy, I don't know he's going to go. Uh, Ryan Pace also too. I think this is these are some. I mean, you may see probably. I, I, I don't know about Vic, but it's not going to work. We'll see. But Steve Smith Sr. and Anquan Bolden were not listed as finalists for the 2022 
Hall of Fame. With oh children. my God. So that means somebody does not know their football. That That's weird to me. Um, how do you not put two, at least two guys that I think at their positions change the game? Uh, Steve Smith should be in a should be a finalist. He he really should. Uh Anquan Bolden. I mean there what what is there to say about Anquan Bolden? There's not much. I mean he has a record that could be potentially broken by Jay, by Jalen Rock um Jalen Waddle. Uh I, I I just really question when we're putting guys in the Hall of Fame, what are we looking for specifically? It can't always be about a championship. Like Rodney Harrison, arguably probably one of the most, other than Ed Reed, Palomalu, uh, Rodney Harrison was, he, opponents feared him. Let's keep it real. I mean, he was 15 years for San Diego, then he joined the Patriots, he got a championship, 03 and 04. Um, I just don't understand why he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame. But you put Richard Seymour, disrespect Richard Seymour, probably one of the best defensive linemen for the Patriots. They're taking the away from that. And Vincent Wolfork, too. Like, what 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 are we looking at? Like, I, I just I, I really kind of want to know what are we looking at in terms of Hall of Fame? What 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 is criteria like if we're putting like Reggie Reggie Wayne Steve Smith should be in the Hall of Fame should be a finalist no disrespect to Reggie Wayne Reggie Wayne was a good wide receiver I'm not taking anything away from him but Vincent Warford or, I mean let's not he's already one of the best defensive tackles in the game um I know no I'm sorry no this year marked his first year eligibility I'm sorry so he has to wait four more years. I apologize. I have that backwards. I'm sorry. I just thought about that. Um, but this is who's going in the Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson, DeMarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Tory Hall, Richard Seymour, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Tony Baselli. Leroy Butler, Devin Hester, Sam Mills, Zach Thomas, Patrick Willis. Now, also to uh, Cliff Branch and Dick Vermeil uh, and Art McNally are going in as uh, senior finalists, and Dick Vermeil, Dick Vermeil, and Art McNally are contributors. Dick Vermeil, I mean, when he coached for the Chiefs. Um surprised he wasn't in the hall, didn't get in the hall there. But uh I I I need to know what the that criteria is. Because there's some guys I think that Steve Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden not making the Hall of Fame. That that that's weird to me. Because now if that's the case, then if Anquan Bolden has a ring, I mean I understand he doesn't he's not like 
Marvin Harrison or he wasn't like Terrell Lewis or Randy Moss, but I I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, so c- congratulations to those guys. Cannot wait to see. Now, Tony Baselli, uh, fun fact, uh, I was, other than Jonathan Ogden, was one of my favorite left tackles. Injuries cut his career short. Uh, he signed with, actually, I think he got, he got drafted. The supplemental draft when the Houston Texans came into the league. And, yeah, he only played one season for them and retired after that. So, uh, congratulations to that, for, to, the, to, to those guys for getting in the hall. Cannot wait. Um, I wanted to revisit a topic. I want to give a shout out to Sean Spencer. And uh, it was really interesting. I was on the show, Let's Talk Football, the roundtable with him, Nick Rosario, Anthony Handy, Delilah Crespo. And there was a topic that was talked about. Is having elite talent in college at quarterback a curse in the pros? And I, I reached out to Sean and said, Sean, do you mind if I, you know, talk about use this? I want to talk about some of my videos. He said, sure, go ahead, no problem. Um the more we're after we after the video, the more I sat and realized and you know, kind of really thought more deep and thought into it. I don't think having elite talent in college at quarterback is a curse of the pros because let's let's keep it real, ladies and gentlemen. When you are that good in college. The, the, the worst team, whether it's in, and it's not just, and this can be said in basketball, baseball, football, when you are the worst team in the league, you're going to get the best player, whether it's college. And this, and this, at this point, let's just keep it football. You're going to get, you're going to get the best player that's in college. Uh, I don't think it's a curse because I think what makes it, to somewhat a curse is that if you have somebody or you have people that don't know football, like for example, right? Let's keep it real. Like the Cleveland Browns, they passed up on Sean Ellis and John Abraham. You know who they could have taken? They could have taken, I'm sorry, they passed, they, they took Courtney Brown. Okay. Um, the next year, that was 2000, 2001. They passed up, they, they drafted Gerald Warren, Gerald Warren, and kind of got Richard Seymour. Like, I think that kind of has to take, has been taken into account is when you have guys that don't know football. I think it all starts with having guys that know football and knowing what your team needs. Like, a quarterback, like, for example, right? Like, I, I will say, and this is another question right here that's going to have to post. I think when you're good, like there is this expectation, oh, he could come into my team and be good. Like, for example, let's keep it real. Aaron Rodgers had the benefit of sitting behind let's let's you no know, disrespect to Brett Favre, one of my favorite quarterbacks. But those last couple years, let let's he I don't think he I don't I don't I think he kind of was like bitter, like like y'all drafted this guy, like what like come on, man. And in the same breath. Look at the number one overall pick, Alex Smith. And that I'll hold on with that for a sec. But I don't think it's a curse. I think it all depends on the situation. There are decent quarterbacks. Like this this year's draft class, arguably Matt Jones has been the best 
quarterback in this class because let's be honest, he came into a system where one, Bill Belichick had to retool after the departure of Tom Brady, number one. Number two, look at Trevor Lawrence. Let's keep it real. He should not he, – he, I think he's going to have more of a tougher road because of the guy that was his coach, that the owner was like, okay, let's hire him. Um, I, I really think it all depends on people knowing football. Owner – General manager, scouting, coaching—I think those things take into take into account. Um, but no, I don't think it's a curse for quarterbacks to get to the pros. Now, the next question was: How much does having a good team around you help or hinder the progress of a young quarterback? Again, let's look at this recent draft class. Trevor Lawrence—I think for right now his his progression is not hindered, but you haven't seen growth because he's coming to a team where you do have to question why did you take with the, I think they had the 25th, 26th overall pick, another running back when you had a running back in James Robinson. You could have used that pick to address the offensive line. You could have taken um, Tevin Jenkins. Uh, I can't think of the center from Alabama. You could have taken him. There were a couple guys. You even could have took a wide receiver. There was guys like, um, not Bateman, Bateman was there. Uh, Elijah Moore was there. Um, not Elijah Moore. I can't think of his name. Uh, no, Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, there was a couple guys they could have taken other than Travis Eaton, which was weird. Uh, now, as far as hindering progress, again, in that video, I used the, the 1999 number one overall pick in Tim Couch. The five years that he was a starting quarterback, they did not have a team around him. And, and we and people we can all agree to disagree, but I'm just saying when you had when you Ricky Dudley, Aaron Shea, Travis Pentress, uh Patrice, Patricius, I think they say his last name, Kevin Johnson, Jawan Dawson, Dennis Northcutt. Quincy Morgan, that's what he's got to work with. And, and like they never said, okay, let's look for a wide receiver. Like they could have took, they had numerous opportunities. Like I think one year they could have had Plexico Burris, I think. They could have had, I'll even say Travis Taylor, uh, even though he proved to be a bust for the Ravens. Uh, no, no disrespect, Taylor. I uh, just didn't play that well. Um, They never really built a, a, a true team around him. The same thing with Alex Smith when he got drafted number one, number one, number one overall in San Francisco. Like, let's keep it real. This is the same San Francisco 49er team that Garrison Hurst left for free agency in Denver. T.O. got traded to Philly. And Jeff Garcia departed free agency. Like, this is a different team. This team, their starting quarterback was Tim Rattay. Like, they didn't have a team built around Alex Smith. It wasn't until, what, I think after the year he came off an injury, oh, let's just start getting some pieces. They got Vernon Davis, who was a good running back. I mean, not running back, tight end. Uh, but Arnett, that whole time when he was there as a starting quarterback, I don't think Alex Smith was a bust. I think if you put if you had put pieces around him, and I, when I mean pieces, 
ladies and gentlemen, the definition of building a team is not going out there and getting like a Randy Moss, not going out there and getting a Devontae Adams or a Shannon Sharp or Travis Kelsey. When you develop, okay, for example, right? Like, let's keep it real. The Bengals passing up on Panay Sewell is a head scratcher. But them drafting Jamar Chase, look what that's doing. It's doing wonders for the Bengals. Even though they're gonna the Bengals cannot ignore that they have to get some offensive line help for Joe Burrow. They know that. But look at look at for example with Alan Smith when he was at San Fran. Other than Vernon Davis, who did he really have? He didn't have that much. Like when he got to Kansas City, he had Kelsey Hill. He had some some weapons. Like he had a decent team. Like you gotta have. A, a, I feel like again it goes back to front office when you have in the top. It starts at the top. It trickles down to management and coaching. When you have a when you when everyone is in is 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 like this in communication the plan. This is our system, and we develop the system and we have a. A known system, Indianapolis Colts. Look, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Adrian James, Peyton Manning. That that's a that, that's that's that that's pieces that have developed together to win. Obviously, win a championship. Look at like the Denver Broncos when they got Peyton Manning. Okay, we all know John Elway was going to get him. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco came with came in the midst of a transition team where. They still had the defense, but the offense was suspect. Um, you got still had Mark Clayton, um, Derek Mason, Demetrius Williams. I think he even had Ty Heat for a couple years. Quinn Subnuski, uh Willis McGahee, then Ray Rice. When you put pieces around that quarterback, it makes a big difference. Like look at Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson, for example, like, okay. Now, besides Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, I, Mar- Marquise is to me is a slot wide receiver. Mark Andrews is his best, is his number one target. Okay, Rashard Bateman, I haven't seen much of that connection. I believe that connection will get going at some point. I, I think at, just give it time; it will it will progress. Got Wallace, Poche, Poche, Duvernay. They get another wide receiver because I just don't think Sammy Watkins is was truly honestly a good fit. I, I get injuries, but he never really got the ground going to me. And I think I, I kind of blame the system and the newness of it for him. Cause yeah, I think he was more comfortable being the, um, the, the security blanket for Tyreek in Kansas city. That's just me. Um, but when Lamar first came, remember this was still kind of a Joe Flacco list. Joe Flacco led team. Hayden Hurst, Michael Crabtree, John Brown. Uh, was was no Michael Wallace was on this team. Uh, Chris Moore, like that was his weapons when he first came in. Now you're starting to see the progression of the weapons around him. Now the biggest thing they have to address is an offensive line. The only thing I question is I, I'm not comfortable with them giving Patrick McCarvey a three-year contract 
and they just gave Ronnie and Ronnie Stanley's now missed. You know, he, he, I don't even know. He really shouldn't have been playing this year. But your response to giving to, to helping Lamar was signing a guy that's way past his prime in Alejandro Vanueva, no disrespect, and then signing a guy in Jawan James who's coming off an Achilles injury. Like that's 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 not helping. But when you those are the, the examples I gave, I think it all really depends on the system and the team. Like a football mind knows, okay. Like for example, look at the Houston Texans, right? Is uh, Deshaun Watson, the whole way that thing is happening, Deshaun Watson will be in Houston Texans next year. They got Davis Mills, David Mills. Okay. They got something going there. Besides Brandon Cooks and, and Rex Burkhead, they could build around him. Look at Tula, look at Tula, Tungo Valoa. He's got Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, uh, Miles Gaskin. Even though I think Mike Gusecki might depart in free agency, they have the team built around him. Now, even though, even though I feel bad for him in a sense because I feel like if I'm Tula, this is me off. Hop, let me just hop off the soapbox and come over here for a second. I do think it's wrong, in my opinion, when you have stuff come out publicly that's saying, "Oh, we're trading. We're going to trade for Deshaun Watson." I don't like that. Um, that tells me your the GM has no confidence in you. Your coach has no confidence in you. And me personally, if I'm Tula, I'm going to the front office and saying next, after the season, um, so are y'all committed to me or what? Because the way y'all kind of handled that this year, that's not cool. But – I do think having a good team, and again, you don't need to have, I do think you need to have a system like Green Bay. Like when I say you don't need to go out and have like a Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf on one team, that'll be, that'll be a stacked team. But if you have somebody like, if you're developing those guys along with your quarterback, you're going to see good things prosper. Like, Come on, man. I think that matters. I don't think I don't think it hinders the progression. I think what hinders the progression of the young quarterback is when you don't have a system in place and you don't have a team built around them. Example, Tim Couch, Alex Smith, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'll even say in terms of even as well. Nah, Matt. I'll, I'll, you know what? No, Matt. Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford really, but other than Megatron, really, truly, never had pieces. I mean, we can say Pettigrew, Reggie Bush, Kevin Smith. I mean, he did get Galladay. He got Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, but they didn't have. It just they needed more than what he, he needed more than what he had. And I feel like if he had more pieces, I think he, they could have done something. Guaranteed. So, um, also, too, really quick, back to this question. Um, I don't think also, too, like, when you think of, like, a guy like Jamarcus Russell, uh, Jamarcus Russell, I think, was hyped 
as what he was because we all thought he would be the next Big Ben. You got to sometimes, you got to also blame the media and also to us because these things now, y'all see this? Like, this is the, this is the thing. Like, we are, we sometimes hype the wrong guys and sometimes also to character. Like, when you have, I think it's also too, it's dirty on the organization's part where you don't, you send him blank tapes and say, hey, did you look at those tapes? That's a slap in the face. That lets me know either you're not confident in me or you're just trying to sit, or this is a, we should not have drafted this guy. Because if me personally, if I go, why are you sending me home with blank tapes? Then why'd you draft me? Like, I feel like maturity-wise, he was not ready for the league. And that's another thing, too, I really wish that the NCAA would fix. Like, I, I can tell when a guy's not ready by a couple of things. How they handle media, how they handle, well, how they handle media and criticism, and how they look, their previous class looks in the NFL or NBA. Those are the two things I look for is can you handle the media and criticism? If you can't handle those two things well, nah, I don't see it. But let's transition into the highlight. The Maryland Turpins won the pinstripe bowl. Wow. 54 to 10. Um, Talia. Tungavaloa, you know, he's a redshirted sophomore. Uh, obviously, he came from Alabama. Really great game. 265 yards, two touchdowns, which he, I think he ties, I want to say his name is Scott Milanovic for the passing. He tied He tied with him for the and passing touchdown in 1983. Um Looked really good out there, man. Uh, let's 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 break it down. You know, uh, I know with with Virginia Tech, I think his name Coach Coach Pry. He last month was just hired. Okay, uh, I think it's Coach Price, who was an interim coach. He definitely, um, I think, said next something along the lines of next year, we're going to have a we're going to play great defense. Okay. And then like, as soon as he said that it was 14, three, um, like, I think it was a lot of trash talking that pride had. Um, but like, let, let, let's, let's talk about, you know, uh, Mr. Jones. Uh, he's a senior. You know, he didn't even – the 40 games that he's played, he's never caught a touchdown. He had two touchdowns, and I, I just – I 111, 111 yards. Uh, Anton Littleton, the second, good little power back. Uh, I like him. Now, <laughs> like – Just what I saw out there. Like the Turpins didn't take their foot off the gas. Um, the, I, the team that lost six games in the set, those last seven games, so they lost six games. 
I didn't see that team. Like the Connor, like their quarterback, I was really questioning Virginia Tech's offense at times. I mean, they were very conservative with running the ball. Like uh, I, I didn't understand it. Like, and and I get it. I'd said it in the preview that certain guy, there's some guys that left or ran to the transfer portal. But I really think that Maryland had the better team. And I thought Virginia Tech would have taken advantage of that passing defense, but I did not see that. Uh, now, why it's called the Pinstripe Bowl? Okay, I did a little researching. So the Yankees, I think they made like a $1 million donation to the uh, Memorial Fund. And uh, yeah, that's that's how it is. And basically, it's the uh, back in what 2007 the Virginia Tech shooting. Um, that's that's where that's where the connection after that tragic event. That's where the connection was started. I did a little find, I did a little researching on that. But before the actually, we had five bowl games before this one. That obviously was just um, had to be canceled because of COVID, and I got to give both. I got to give you know the both teams shot that they handled this really well. Um, like I'm, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of this team, uh, Coach Coach Loxley. Um, I, I look, this is. This is something, this is the beginning of something special. He's building this program from the bottom up. Uh, I know Talia's a sophomore. I know I'm kind of scared that he'll probably leave after after his junior year. Um, I mean, we're doing, I mean, we're, we're, it's looking really great. I, I just, to me, you know, from 2019, 2020, and then now, I think it's just just shows the the determination, the 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 confidence that he's instilled in these young guys, and you know he has the plan and he, they didn't give up on him. And man, just from where the program was when we first came with you know DJ Durkin and the whole Jordan McNair thing to where it is now, like. That's that's you can't say enough. You cannot say enough. But September the third, we oh we play against Buffalo, and um, congratulations to the Maryland Turpins as they won their bowl game, the Pinstripe twenty twenty one Pinstripe bowl game, and they have set the record for the most points. Since the creation of the bowl in 2010. So congratulations, Terrapins. And I have the at the end of the video, I'll play the clip. It's ML, it's day 31 of the MLB strike. No progression so far. Uh, like me personally, what I would like to see changed um i want a couple things to be changed i kind of want guys I, I want guys to really consider 
some of, because <clears throat> I think the biggest thing was they wanted to address the tanking. Okay, I'm, I'm not a believer in tanking, but if tanking is, is what is helping my team win championships, then I'm going to do it by, by means in any means that's necessary. The Houston Astros did it, and nobody said it. Well, people, I, you didn't hear that what to say about the Orioles until the, but they, before the before that Astros did it, and look at what it, it progressed to them. Um, there needs to be a salary cap. I really want to see. I, I just I'm just not liking the fact that we're giving guys that large amount of money and. I, I, I give you examples, and it's documented. Like the Anaheim Angels, they cut Albert Pujols one year. That one year left in that deal, they're paying paying thirty million dollars. And the Padres, I, I guarantee you, with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Tampa Bay with Wander Franco, Colorado, they would no, Colorado traded Nolan Arenado for fifty million dollars to the Cardinals, like. There has to be some type of a cap because I hate for a team to sign these guys, and then when it fails, then guess what? That's egg on that's egg on the on the team's face. That's a that's an investment that we put in on a guy or guys that didn't pan out. Like uh, I don't like it. Well, I'm hoping that the players come to sense. It's got to be some sacrificing. But let's transition in the NBA. The Washington Wizards played the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, good game. Uh, Ricky Rubio said my thoughts and praise out to him. He's off for the season towards ACL. Uh, they actually just traded, and they made. Actually, I think are still in the works of getting Rajar Rondo from the Los Angeles Lakers. One ten ninety three. Well, good. On a good note, we did not go below five hundred into the year into the new year. Uh, the second, I mean, for me, the first half was the big, was big for Washington. Bradley Beal coming back from his, doing his health and safety protocols at 21 points. Uh, the sec, uh, second half again, man, I'm just telling you, like, if they just play team ball and make shots together, like they shot, we shot 63% from the field and Kyle Kuzma at 25 like they were just in control and they controlled the pace of the game. Like I understand our identity is at is defense first. And I know I'll, I'll talk about it. We had um Shamane Equinique. Next thing you say his name, he's the first Colombian ball player. Uh, he got some minutes in the game. Um Kevin Love and Evan Mobley had 24 and 21. They just looked outmatched. I don't think I don't I don't think they I don't Cleveland to me didn't recover from that game from 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 it at all and during the game. Um now if you remember the last game uh Danny and and Davis Bertans had kind of gotten into it. Like let's let's keep it real. Personally, I'm am not a fan of Bertans' contract. I'm just not. It's just it's giving me Iman Mahimi vibes. One second.
There we go. So I have this alarm on my phone that just kept annoying me. I apologize. Anywho, like I was saying, I don't think trade. I, I just I'm looking at the Wizards. They, they need to make some moves. They need a point guard. Uh, they need some a guy that can stretch the floor. Like Bird Tans is not terrible, but like I, I truly, really, truly think the identity for the Wizards is defense. We really haven't figured that out. And for me, like To, to say to trade him, we we kind of did give up. Uh, we did kind of give up some 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 assets for him. Like example, Joel Embiid. I was on the interview uh, after they just beat the Brooklyn Nets before they played them. He called. I think it, uh, Maxi. He said he was trash, and like he stepped up. Like he. Bertans needs to be a bit more tougher. Like he is easy to defend, but let's let's keep it let's keep it aside. Let's keep it real. Like the last thirteen games and the month of December. Fun fact: Bertans is shooting forty one percent. Okay, he's led the team in threes, where we are horrible. Um. And again, Bertans is not the reason we've lost some of those, these games. Like, I, I I just think that I just think it was just one of those like miscommunications, and they just got into it. But I think it's really a true. I think it's just the identity, like. Wes Hustle Jr. came into this, came before the season started, and he preached defense. Like Bertans does, Bertans is not a def, he's not he's not a guy when you think of defense. Okay, he does, he's not a defender. He's not. And him, I him playing alongside Casper, for example, they they don't mesh. Like I, I feel like <sighs> If you trade him, you, you, you're not going to get a lot in the long run. The short run, you may get something for him. But in the long run, I don't. And, again, getting a guy from Greg Popovich's teams, it's, you, you don't know what you're getting. So we play the Bulls uh, today. Actually, it's 4 o'clock. Um, same thing. We're gonna have to make shots. We're gonna have to defense first. I think we gotta, you know, we gotta contain, neutralize DeRozan. It's gonna be hard to DeRozan, Levine, one of the what you know, we kind of have to limit their scoring. Um, you know, Bradley Beal is gonna have to be the guy, but Bradley Beal is gonna have to get Kuzma, Casper. Those guys are gonna have to get going early. Beal gets those guys get going early. I think it's gonna be a good game. But if you know can, can't fall can't fall behind, it can't fall in a, in a hole early, and we gotta commit 
know, we got to c- cut down the turnovers and fouls. If we do that, Wizards are going to be okay. Um, I think the Chicago Bulls will beat the Washington. I think the Wizards can win this game, but how? The Washington Wizards, I will say I think they'll win 103-101. Guaranteed! Let's transition into college basketball. Uh, Brenda Freeze. Uh, she signed an extension, six-year extension. Uh, again, she's the wingless coach. She just passed Chris. Uh, oh, can't think it was it. Chris Weller. He had 499 wins as a for the coach for the Lady Terps. Um, just can't say enough about the greatness of Brenda Freeze. I think she's one of the, other than Dawn Stanley. She's one of the both one of the best coaches in the game, college basketball. Uh, what she's done for the program. She's had a good class coming in next year with, uh, you know, again, I, I just, you just can't, you just cannot say enough of what she's doing. And uh, like, I think before her career is over, when she calls it a career, Brenda Freeze will have a couple national championship titles. Guaranteed. I mean, like, look what she had. Diamond Miller, Ashley Wansu, uh, you know, Mimi Collins, uh, Faith uh, Macyonis, like Chloe Bibby from Mississippi, Mississippi State, Katie Benzin, Benzin from uh, Harvard. Like, it's, it's just trust in the process like I, I get it like we lost some key people last year with graduation and obviously that damn transfer portal which I don't like uh, <laughs> I've spoken on that um, now the 2022 class she already got Mila Reynolds from South Bend Indiana and she got someone from Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. I think her name is Ava Scoyola. Uh, who also, she also got, I want to say she got twin sisters. I want she got sisters. Another, another sisters. I want to say it's, uh, no, the Mila Reynolds sisters, who is like 2023, 20, 2025 prospects. So, We'll see. She could have the opportunity to land them both. Who knows? Um, just can't say enough. Cannot say enough about them. But I will get back to the women in a little bit. Uh, the men beat uh, non. It was non another non conference game for the men as we beat Brown University uh, in a <laughs> surprising win. Not surprising. I, I wasn't surprised by the by the margin. Eighty one sixty seven. Uh, third three game win streak again. Um, that's a couple things that came in. Same thing, energy. That was one of the things I was looking for. Fat Russell's. I know he's been dealing with a knee injury. He looked good out there. Uh, he, Eric Ayala, had twenty two. Eric Ayala had twenty two points. Hakeem Hart had seventeen. Dante Scott had fifteen. Uh, again, like. Fats had 18. 
And then in the second half, he scored 11. Biggest thing was, again, winning on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, what, what had happened was when we played Lehigh, he had banged knees. And it from one angle, it looked pretty nasty. Then from the other, in other, it didn't look that bad. Uh, again, like I was saying, when he when he's our, when he when he's, he's one of our go to scores. When he's out there, he's he's a critical player. Like he scored the last seven points in the first half, and then in that twenty eight to was like twenty to eight run in the second half, I believe it was. Uh, again, I, I just it's just energy, and I'm really proud of what they're doing. Like I can't. I can't get enough of them. I can't give. I just can't say enough about them. Again, um, like okay, at halftime it was 38, 35, and we did see like Brown, the, the Brown University do. They did come back, but again, you know, scoring, energy, getting everybody involved, especially going on on a break, like. The only the only thing that starting to that's that that's still kind of needs Maryland has to fix is again not being in foul trouble. Like in the first half, they they gotta they gotta they gotta not getting the foul trouble. I think that's the only thing that hurts Maryland. But for the most part, I think they held I think we held our own. Uh the next game we play is Iowa. That's that's Monday. So that should be a good game. Um for the women, we play the ranked eighth Indiana. Uh, we've been kind of on a <laughs> hiatus. A little bit because of uh, we're supposed to play Illinois, but due to a COVID situation within their program, that game got postponed. So ever since Coppin State, we really had, it was a nine day hiatus between Coppin State and then Illinois, and then now we're playing Indiana. Um, I, same thing. I'm looking for them in this game. You know, they're going to have to not commit the turnovers. Like to see uh, inside presence. Now, this is a big win. I mean, we're ranked number six against Indiana. Indiana's not a bad team either. So, I mean, it, I think it's whoever gets going first, particularly on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball, too. Um, I think the Lady Terps can beat Indiana 71 61. And as I forgot to bring up the ticker <laughs> right there, uh, Towson basketball, as we're closing in on just about towards the end of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, um, the men were supposed to play James Madison uh, University, but due to a COVID-19 protocol within James Madison University's a program that game has been postponed. I believe it's to the end of the month on the 31st. So 
With that being said, um, our next game is Drexel University. Uh, and then we have to face Delaware, the Blue Hens, that Wednesday. So, ugh, I mean, we did change our COVID protocols. So, I hope everybody's staying safe. Um, I think the Towson Tigers can beat Drexel University. I'm going to look along the lines of 75-60. Guaranteed! Uh, the same thing with the women. Uh, we were supposed to play Drexel University, and that game got postponed too. So, And we're supposed to play the Blue, the Blue Hens uh, that Sunday. So we have two games that have been postponed. So uh, we actually play Seton Hall, the women. Um, as a filler in. So that's an away game. I think, ooh, Seton Hall is kind of low, low key. Let's look at, let's check Seton Hall out real quick. They kind of low, they kind of, that look a little, I know the men's a good, well, the women's not a bad basketball team. Let's, let's see. The Seton Hall Pirates. They're six and five. They're currently on a two-game win streak. Their last win was against Wagner University. And they actually played Villanova. Oh, Villanova's winning. Guarantee. Uh, I will say the Towson Tigers will beat Seton Hall 79-59. Guarantee. Go Tigers. Um, I need to actually get out there and go see a basketball game. Now, because it's kind of hard to kind of watch them on flow hoops. And I know for the men, I think this one drives me on CBS Sports. The women, their games, it's it's really tough. I, I Like, we played American and Massachusetts. It was on ESPN+. Plus. Like, when are you going to actually put their games on the actual, like, ESPN? I don't want to see them on floats all the time. That's that's just me. Like, come on, man. We gotta market, we gotta market them better than that. That's the same thing we're trying to get with the WNBA. Like that's that's that is ridiculous. Just them being consistently on flow hoops and an ESPN plus. Makes no sense. And then this team, with this respect, are nine and one. I think they deserve, I think they deserve a, a little TV time. I'm just saying. All right, so we are going to close out with the epi- with with the podcast of the WNBA. Becky Hammond has been named head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, she's finalizing that deal. It's supposed to be like a four year deal, I think it is. Uh, it's a five year deal, excuse me. I think it's a good move. Uh, personally, um, I respect Bill Lambeer, but I feel like he held the team back. For what its true potential could be, uh, I felt like the the way the team was going, the way I envisioned it, uh, they looked like a second, third round exit. Guarantee. Uh, even though they've gotten to the finals when they were in the bubble, um, again, I'm just a firm believer. If they had Dierica Hamby. Uh, 
even though I still think they can I, I still believe that the Las Vegas Aces can win a title. Guarantee. Like I I just don't see I just don't see Liz King Beige coming back. I just don't. She's gonna want some money. I, I feel like Las Vegas can can find somebody. Hell, they can actually if they, if for the right price, they can actually mess around and, and probably make a trade. To me. Uh, but Bill and Beer probably most likely will probably find like a front office. He'll probably be in the front office. Um, but great for Becky Hammond. I'm still kind of waiting to see who's going to get the Las Vegas, uh, li- not Las Vegas, the New York Liberty job. Um, I still feel like either it could be Ter- Teresa Witherspoon. Um, I don't know about Coach um, Bordello. I like to see Fred uh, uh, Taj Franklin get this consideration. Fred Williams would be another one. Chastity Melvin would be another. Uh, there's some there's some potentials coaches out there that I think should be considered uh, for the Vegas job. I mean for the, the Liberty job. I'm sorry. Um, congratulations to Candace Parker. She was voted Female Athlete of the Year for the second time. Congratulations, Candace Parker. Um, now, as far as like with the NFL fever, right? So I remember I told you that I feel like, in my opinion, like the Indi- the Indiana Fever, I believe, have the core to compete. Like, I told you they're getting Kaiser Gondrasek back because she obviously took some personal time for herself. You've got the Mitchells. You've got Tiffany and Kelsey. No relation there. Victor- if, if they re-sign Victoria Vivians, Tierra McCowan, and then you got some girls on the bench that I think you got Jantel Lavender, I think brings a veteran presence. Uh, Emma Cannon, I think would be good coming back. Chelsea Perry, I think was good. Um, I've, I don't think they need, I think they need someone that could stretch the floor, like a power forward. I, I thought that the, the combo with Tierra McCowan and Lauren Cox, that just didn't that just that just didn't work. It, it just didn't. Um I, I just I feel like the fever already kind of have the team. I just think there's some other people I would consider. Uh Shakira Austin could be a good fit. Uh, I mean, I, I do feel like she can on the defensive side, Indiana was not great. Uh, they did allow the second most points in last season. Aubrey Jones could be a consideration. Um, Alyssa Cunane. See, she at not well. I mean, if they're trying to get someone down there, get to tell Tierra, you know bang down low with she wouldn't be bad or secure also but as far as guard and forward they could probably get another wing but i really think you're solid i think you just need to get like i say you get something to help tiara on the defensive side of the ball it's a defensive side of the ball if you get if you can so they can stretch the floor <clears throat> i'll even say like for example um 
maybe, maybe uh, Avina Westbrook would be interesting. Uh, Ray Morrell, that's another one. I feel like you get any one of them. I'll even say the, uh, what's her name, Mez Helmon from Michigan. She would be actually not that bad. <clears throat> but I really do feel like Indiana already has the core. I just think it's just them putting it together. And I think they need someone, again, like a Taj Franklin, uh, Chastity Melvin, someone that's going to push them. And I think <clears throat> as great as Marianne Stanley is, I think she's more of an assistant coach, not a head coach. And that's of no disrespect. But I feel like the NF- I think the Indiana Fever can take anyone who they want with a second overall pick. But I feel like they have they have something good there. They do. Like if they can get if they can re-sign like Victoria in the offseason, uh you get Kaiser back, you know, Danielle Robinson's coming back, Tantel Labrador. They they could make a playoff run. Guaranteed. So we'll see. But uh, the free agency is coming as starts in January. So this is going to be probably this is not probably this is going to be one of the most interesting off seasons free agencies, in my opinion. Like Brianna Stewart's or unrestricted free agent John Quill Jones, uh, Asia Wilson's restricted, uh, Jewel Lloyd's unrestricted. Courtney Vandersloot, unrestricted. Um, Kalia Coop Copper, unrestricted. Tina Charles is unrestricted. Uh, Sylvia Follows. Uh, I kind of can actually, honestly, truthfully, uh, nah, nah, I'm obsidian. Maisha Hines restricted. Who else? Allie Quinn is unrestricted. Rebecca Allen. Uh, Mercedes Russell. Liz Cambage is unrestricted. Angel McCautry is unrestricted. Tiffany Hayes. Rianne January. Sue Bird. Uh, there's a few. And, and Liz can go on and on and on and on. on. Um, the Chicago Sky have like four or five unrestricted free agents. I know it's Diamond the Shield, Steffi Dolson. Uh, yeah. It's like four or five of them. Courtney Williams is unrestricted, but the Atlanta Dream said they weren't going to resign her. Elizabeth Williams. Like, that's honestly and truthfully, that is a very, very good free agency class. And I think it's going to come down to um, good and bad signings. Like, I feel like me personally, like, I, I need to do it. I need to do an episode where I need to break down what I feel like each team needs. And doesn't need because I saw an article, like for example, the Connecticut Sun, where they were like, Oh, they should trade Brianna Jones, the most improved player, to get more to get some salary cap. With oh children. my god, that made, that made no sense. Um, what I think personally, what Connecticut needs, they need a consistent shooter from the guard position. Not taking anything away from from Jasmine Thomas or Natisha Henderman or Brianna January, but that 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 that's it was clearly lacking in that area. And who knows? Maybe Dejanay Carrington, Kalia Kalia Charles, Kayla Charles. I'm sorry. Who knows? That 
Well, I mean, it's yet to be seen. I mean, they're still young and still developing. Um, like New York, you could get another if you could get a, a like a big time starter play alongside Vanija, Sabrina, Didi, um, Michaela, Michelle Gray. I think you. I think you're set. Um, the Los Angeles Sparks. The biggest thing is just staying healthy. <laughs> like Neka and Janae, Janae missed some missed some games. Uh, I think you got a good core right there with you know to build around with Ted Cooper, Erica Wheeler, Brittany Sykes, um, even Amanda Zareb. Um, the, the the Dallas Wings. I think you already got it. Honestly, honestly, truthfully, a young a go-to squad. It's just what Vicky Johnson does with it. Already talked about the Mystics. Uh, Tulsa. I mean, obviously they're going to lose a couple pieces, but I, I feel like everyone's going to stay for some reason. That I just see the same team staying next season. It just I just see it that way. Uh, and obviously. The Seattle Storm. I mean, you can't you can't sign every. I mean, they have the most cap, so I, I feel like the Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, they're all going to stay in Seattle for some odd reason. I think they are, but you may never know. Um, this is going to be a good free agency class. We're definitely going to follow up on this um, as the season progresses because the offseason progresses. Because this is a, I think where one, one of these women will go. It definitely tells a story of how the season will look. So um, with that being said, that is going to conclude episode eight of the podcast. Thank you for joining me. As I said, episode, excuse me, episode nine That'll be pre-recorded. You will see episode 10 on the 4th of July. Oh, the 4th of July. <laughs> My God. January 4th, uh, you will see episode 10 live. Um, I'm going to close it out with uh, John Madden. He performed uh, the eulogy at Pat Summerall's funeral. And I thought it was some really, really powerful words. And um, again, rest in peace, John Madden. Um, Yeah. With that being said, I'm out. Peace. Stay up. Wait, before before we play the video, let me show y'all what (laughs) what's clearly has to change about these bowl games next year. I want to play the clip, obviously, with Coach Lockley and the Maryland Turpins. Let me play that. Congrats for a a hell of a finish and a hell of a start. I told you guys at the start of this bowl preparation that this wasn't the end of something, this was the start. And I can't thank the seniors enough for the foundation that you guys have laid. Hold on, let me make sure that 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 worked. 
There we go. That's better. Congrats for a, a hell of a, a hell of a finish and a hell of a start. I told you guys at the start of this bowl preparation that it's, this wasn't the end of something. This was the start. And I can't thank the seniors enough for the foundation that you guys have laid. And I hope you young guys see and understand what true preparation looks like. When you individually get better, we get better collectively. Now, this is just the beginning, man. This is just the beginning for us. This is not our standard. Our standard is to get the bowl game, but ultimately what we want to do is build a championship team. And it's going to take hard work. And I think you guys understand that. The best is truly ahead, and it's because of the seniors and what you guys have left, but also the young guys that came and made some plays today, man. You young boys. So let's do this, man. For those seniors, let's sing that song one more time for those seniors. One. Two, one, two, three, and Maryland, we're all behind you. Raise out of black and gold. There's nothing else so glorious as to see our team victorious. We got the team boys, we got the team boys. Keep fighting, don't give it the next clip okay this was uh mike golick jr and uh i can't forget his name uh these guys this is the duke mayo bowl shout out to sean spencer i'm sorry they they lost uh, this this is utter disgustingness this, this is disgusting Mike, you came up with ideas, unconventional foods that work with mayonnaise. We're, we're starting with what? Cream-filled cookies here. You first. Take a dip. It's a really interesting blend of flavors. Anish, Anish Shuroff, I apologize. Oh, Anish. We're going to need someone up here to call this next drive. He's not doing well. I've seen that. Mike, you... That, that's really disgusting. I... That, that's... That that's oh god. I mean, and then and then to make matters worse, right? Like this, this right here, this is icing on the cake. Look how they hit a uh, coach on the on the head. You gotta get that smell. You gotta get the smell of that off. Congratulations to South Carolina for winning a bowl game, uh, winning the Mayo Bowl. Next year they're going to have to really change it up. Um, 
before I forget, the league, all, Roger Goodell did send a memo to all 32 teams to uh, give a moment of silence for John Madden. I am a firm believer that they need to have, like they had in the game, all Madden teams. I think it needs to be an all Madden team each season. I do. And again, man, he's, he's, you think of football, you think of not just John Madden, first name that comes to your mind, coach, commentator, just someone just knowledgeable. And uh, you will be missed, coach. Rest in peace. Thank you. That being said, I'm out. Peace. Y'all see episode nine in a little. You'll probably see it in probably in a few minutes. Condolences to the family. This is this is very very tough. I uh, got up this morning and I thought, you know, Pat, I need you. I uh, couldn't get my tie straight and couldn't get the top button button. It was the same old stuff. That's the way it started. And you know, and Pat was there for everyone, for every need they ever had. Pat Summerall was there. You know, there's a, a saying that the criterion for greatness and being the best in what you do forever done is can the history of what you did be written without mentioning your name? Think of that. Think of how many histories could be written without mentioning Pat Summerall. History of college football, history of pro football, NFL on television. For 22 years, we were together, and Pat, many years before that. And there were voices before Pat Summerall's, and there'll be voices after. But he is the voice of the NFL. I think of tennis, the U.S. Open. Think of golf, the Masters. How could those histories be written without Pat Summerall? Think of CBS Sports. You didn't think of Murder, She Wrote. How could any of those be written without Pat Summerall? Fox Sports. That was what he did. But if there was ever a book written about good guys, he'd be the star of that book. Because that's what Pat was. Pat was generally card-carrying, great guy. And he showed it all the time. And not just to special people. You know, he was, he was as nice to you know, the person that's the big boss or the sponsor or whatever, so he was a runner. And he did things for these people that, that you don't know that he did because that was Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall wasn't a braggart. 
but he was, to me, he was John Wayne. He was the toughest, quietest guy I've ever known. And on TV, he was Walter Cronkite because you just felt the comfort being there with him and standing next to him for 22 years. I felt that great comfort. And, and I saw all the things that he did for people. And you could just feel how special he was. Now I got it, I got the first feeling even before I started. The first year I worked full time uh, with Pat was in, in 1981. In 1979 was my first year in television. And I just gotten out of coaching. I didn't know anything about television. I mean, I, I didn't know where the hell you go. I had never been in a booth. I didn't know, you know, <laughs> I mean, you put the headset on, you put the mic in front of the back of your head. I, I, I didn't know those things. And so I signed a one-year contract to do four or five games. And one of the games, it could have been my second or third game, was with Pat. And, you know, sometimes you, you think, you know, of all the places you don't belong, this is a place I didn't belong. I wasn't ready for this. Uh, Tom Brookshire, his great partner, had a family wedding that weekend, and he was off. So, so they put me with Pat. And Pat treated me so well. And the biggest thing, he treated me with respect. And, you know, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know when we were at commercial. I didn't know when we were on the air. I didn't know anything, but he didn't look down. And he didn't look down at me. He didn't, you know, grab my arm and say, I'll pull you through this, I'll help you. Pat didn't do that. He didn't have to tell you he was gonna help you. He didn't have to tell you he was gonna pull you through. He just damn did it, you know? And <clears throat> I remember after that game, it was, just, it was just one game and I thought, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Well, it may have been my third game, and I didn't know if I'd ever do another game or ever do another game with Pat. But I came, there with, came away from there with, with one thought. This guy is really a good guy. Good guy. And I thought, if I get nothing else out of this, I got that. And then two years later, we started working together, and we worked together for 22 years, 22 great years, never had an argument, never had a fight. Was always happy to see him. Every story ended with a smile or a laugh. The thing that I miss most about being out of television, being with Pat, is Thanksgiving. And we had 22 straight Thanksgivings. Now, most people talk about Thanksgiving and they say, you know, it's family. You know, how is it being away from your family? And we said for years, and they weren't idle words, this is our family. I know Pat's up there now saying, John, brevity, brevity, brevity. I told you, I know Pat. <laughs> I know there's a clock, Jack said. I, but just let me just get through this. <laughs> Sorry, one, one more time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk over you. 
do those things. Like I said, I started out today, couldn't get my tie. Pat used to always straighten my tie and my shirt and stuff. But anyway, so so we would we had this Thanksgiving and and it was 22 years of Thanksgivings. 22 years of family. We would say, you know, this is our family. You know, Pat and I are family. Bob Stenner, family. Sandy Grossman, Lance Barrow, Richie Zions. For 22 years, that was our family. That's as real as you can get. I mean, that's not talk. Those aren't words. You know, when you spend that type of time with someone into those situations, you are family. Just, just one more thing that and when Willie Yarbrough, uh, my driver, was a good friend of Pat, uh, is here today. And <clears throat> Willie used to sing gospel songs. And, and Willie was singing what a friend we have in Jesus. And so, you know, I was telling Pat, you know, Willie's pretty good. He's in his church choir and he's singing what a friend we have in Jesus. So the next day I come out there, it's a Sunday morning. I used to, you know, get there like 10 minutes before we left on the bus. Pat would get there an hour and a half before and just hang out and just tell stories and drink coffee and read the paper and be with the driver. So I go there one morning and Willie and Pat are singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And they're talking about, Willie didn't know the words. Willie had been bluffing all these years <laughs> on the words, and Pat was telling him what the words were. So Willie kept saying, you know, I know, I know what it is. I know what the words are. I know you don't know what, so anyway, to make a long story short, Pat went home, got a hymn book, and sent it to Willie. So the next time they sang on the bus, what a friend we have in Jesus, they had the hymn book. But that was Pat. I mean, you know, how many guys would, would do that? That was Pat, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that, Pat. I'm, I'm finished, but I just want to say that, well, I had the first goodbye with Pat was at CBS. And we were together at CBS, and, and we lost football. And then we had you know, our last telecast, which was, which, which was tough. We said goodbye, because we didn't know what was going to happen. Then we both went to Fox. And we were all those years at Fox. Then we had our last broadcast at Fox was Super Bowl 36. Our last goodbye. This is the third goodbye. It's the toughest. But Pat, rest in peace. I love you. Listen, I'm easy to find. And listen, they can kiss my ass if they don't like it.